0: I know one of your earlier podcasts talked about imposter syndrome. And I think that as, an, as a young professional, when I first started in my career, I felt that for sure. I didn't have that degree. I didn't know much about association management, but yet I was planning these association events, these trade shows, these annual meetings. So I think the beginning, the motivation was to help me be more comfortable in talking about myself because I had that imposter syndrome.
1: Hello, and welcome to You Should Hear This, a podcast for the everyday association professional. I'm Nick Estrada, your host. Certifications. When we think of these, we think of hours of studying, making flashcards, and sitting for an exam that feels, well, way too long. Or we think about the time and energy we as staff may put into these programs to manage them for our own associations. Both may not be the best way to view these. We should really view them as opportunities for personal and professional growth. We've got a dedicated learner with us today to learn more about the certification and credentialing journeys for association professionals. Our guest today is Emily Perkins, Director of Client and Conference Services with Rayburn Group International. With over 21 years of experience with strategic meeting management, marketing, and design, she has extensive strength in collaboration, fiscal accountability, strategic planning, and communication. Emily has designed, executed, and evaluated over a thousand meetings of all sizes and types. She's an adjunct faculty member at Indiana University, where she has co-facilitated the nonprofit meeting management course since 2017. She passionately believes in continual professional development and has received a certified meeting professional designation, CMP, in 2009, a certified association executive, CAE, designation in 2014, a certificate in meetings management, CMM, in 2016, her project management professional, PMP, in 2020, and her certified event designer, CED, designation in February 2021. And while that's why she's here with us today to talk about credentials, because she holds quite a few. So welcome, Emily.
0: Thank you. I'm, I'm tired just hearing all of my credentials <laughs> after my name, after all that.
1: <laughs> well, we're really excited to have you here. Um, I know just even personally, you're somebody that I always look up to in terms of the credentials. It's such a, you know, it's like, oh, if I could just be like Emily Perkins, right? <laughs> uh, and so very excited to have you here Can you share a little bit just about your association journey, um, how you've gotten to where you are today, especially with that, that many credentials?
0: Sure, absolutely. So like many association professionals, I kind of fell into the world of associations. Um, When I went to school, there certainly wasn't a degree in association management or meeting management for that matter. So I started at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society many years ago on their market-based events and kind of learned the fundraising aspect, Um, really enjoyed my time there. Uh, went on from there to spend a hot minute in the corporate world, which we won't even talk about because I don't even <laughs> add it to my resume. From there, ended up through those connections I made at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society at Leading Age Indiana, um, where I began as their director of events. And I immediately joined ISAE because I did not know what I was doing, again, falling into that and hoping to learn more and understand better what I was what I was doing. And it was through kind of those connections at um, ISAE where I met Leslie Murphy, who is the president of Rayburn Group now. And I knew when I was ready for a change in my career, I could go to her and say, all right, I'm ready to do something differently. And that's where I ended up at Rayburn Group International. Today, I've been there for about three years now. So that's a a quick synopsis of uh, my journey from beginning to where I am today.
1: That's great. Thank you. So to start us off, and I should I should share, right, we, we actually got some questions today from our listeners, so we'll be sharing out some of those. But why so many credentials? I know I've actually joked with you before. I think you now have more letters after your name than you actually have in your name. But, right, for somebody to do all of those, I would assume that there's some value to them. So So why so many of these and why are they valuable to you?
0: So that is true. There are actually more letters after my name than in my name, but I try not to shine a light on that regularly. Thanks a lot, Nick. But (laughs) um, so I I think that why so many, because I am a continual learner and I I know some people kind of throw that term around lifelong learner, but I, I truly believe in that. And I think if I'm not continually learning and growing, I am not going to be the profession professional I want to be. So that's kind of how I started on that process. And I really began with the CMP, the Certified Meeting Professional, because, you know, when I joined Leading Age Indiana back in the day, I was doing the best I could with what I had. Again, there was no degree that I had to base that off of. So I knew that I could do better. And I read and learned about the CMP through my membership in another uh, professional trade group, um, Meeting Professionals International. And I thought, okay, that's gonna help me be a better meeting professional by obtaining that designation. So that was that was the start. For me in general. Um, after the CMP, uh, thought a lot about the CAE, um, the Certified Association Executive, because there was no one else on the staff at Leading Age Indiana that had a CAE. So it was kind of this aspirational certification for me. Then from there, the CMM, the Certificate in Meetings Management, that was really about the business and strategy behind meetings. So I felt like the CMP was kind of the, the first step in your professional meetings career. The CMM is more of like that icing on the cake, learning how to fit your meeting strategically in with the rest of everything else that you have going on in your organization. And, and that was important to me. Um, At that time, I was working on over 90 events a year and, you know, all different sizes. It's not like they were all huge. You know, some were webinars for 10, 15 people, but those all fit together in a way that needs to be strategic for the organization. So the CMM was kind of about that one. And then the, the PMP, the project management professional, um, was really about process learning. I knew that I had these basics. I now knew that I could um, be strategic about the meetings that I was designing and executing. I knew that I had the association backbone experience with the CAE, but was I doing everything the way that I should be doing it, the best that I could be doing it? And I think a lot of that is about processes and iteration, and that's what the PMP really is. You know, meetings, and in a little bit, it was a challenge for me because when I looked into the criteria for the PMP, it was really clearly designed for People who were working on infrastructure projects, so highways, um, you know, architects, construction, but meetings are projects. A lot of what we do as association professionals are simply projects. That just means it's got a, a beginning and an end. That's a project. So that was certainly an annual conference or a webinar or anything like that. So the PMP was about helping me create better processes around the projects and events that I was working on. And then finally, the, cert, um, the certified event designer, that was because my boss, Leslie Murphy, asked me to do that. <laughs> so that was how it started. <laughs> um, but I'm so glad she did because, of course, that's the newest um, certification that I have, but it's one that I really put into play immediately. I... Uh, I know you mentioned it was um, last year. So that was in the height of the pandemic when we were looking at our meetings and events and wondering, you know, what in the world are we going to do? And that event design helped me to rethink for many of our clients what our meetings look like and and think differently about it. So that's um, a snapshot of uh, why so many (laughs) and and kind of, you know, and the order that they went in.
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's interesting, right? Each of those sounds like have played a specific professional development opportunity right they've provided there was either a gap on the staff you know you mentioned nobody at leading age at the time had a CAE Mm -hmm. um, certification or the designation um, you know or oh hey I'm I'm leading a lot of these projects now Um, that's something I'd like to be stronger in right so each of them kind of had a unique purpose and a unique time that they needed to come about um, and I think that that's really interesting because I think instead a lot of the times most people are just like okay well maybe I'll just Google some information on this <laughs> right I don't know that everybody's immediate reaction is well let's go get a certification. But <laughs> true, I, true. I think that it it brings hopefully for you right a level of expertise and knowledge base to mm-hmm. that area.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Do you um, you know when you think about the various certifications that you have at this time, uh, do you find that one credential is more valuable? Than any of the others, or do you see one maybe playing out more on a day-to-day basis?
0: You know, that's a that's a tough question because when I when I thought about that, and I, I'm appreciative that these questions came in early from some of the listener, listeners. That was great. At, at certain points in my life, some were more valuable than others. R- right now, do I use my CMP as much? Well. Sort of, yes. I mean, that's the basics of being a meeting professional. So I'm hoping that I am living out those basics on a daily basis. But of course, back in 2009, when I received that designation, it was critical. So I think you alluded to it, but they've kind of built off of each other in varying ways. So it it would be hard for me to say, "Eh, I just cut out the CAE. You know, I would have been fine without it. Well, not really. The CAE is what helped me be a better association professional, which helped me lead better teams. And, you know, I am an executive director now for a small association. So I I don't think I would be able to look at these and, and cut one out or say one's more important to the other, but they've definitely built on each other as I've gone through them.
1: Well, I think that's an interesting perspective, right? Because as we think about certifications, it's not just like a one and done, right? It's not like, okay, cool. I got the certification and I have it forever, right? There's a a process to continue to hold on to that designation. And I think what you're mentioning is, right, it's that you already mentioned you're a continual learner. And I think that to even maintain those proves that. And I think that as we see the new things that are popping up, you're right, each of those are going to play a unique role in how we're addressing the challenges of whatever our professional journey is at the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you're right, that requirement for pretty much all of these of a continual professional development to fulfill the requirements of recertification helps me continue on that path that maybe it wouldn't be easy to just do if I didn't have that requirement.
1: Yeah, I think some of these, you know, I think about the CAE and the CMP specifically, right, some of them have some good overlap Mm -hmm. um, in terms of that continual education, um, or even just some of the knowledge base, right? There was, you know, obviously, if you're planning meetings for an association, you have some of that knowledge of both meetings and associations. But some of those that you have were not connected at all. So I'm curious, how did you find the motivation to do all of these because they are, I mean, they're time intensive, right? I mean, it's not like you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to go take a, you know, a, you know, a test.
0: Yeah, no, definitely not. (laughs) So I think for me, like the internal motivation for me really started at that beginning of my career and kind of that feeling. I know one of your earlier podcasts talked about imposter syndrome and I think that as an as a young professional when I first started in my career I felt that for sure. I didn't have that degree. I didn't know much about association management, but yet I was planning these association events, these trade shows, these annual meetings. So I think the beginning the motivation was to help me be more comfortable in talking about myself because I had that imposter syndrome and I think that when I think about the PMP, the project management, honestly, it's hard for me still to think about that because I have, I, I do have a little bit of uh, post-traumatic stress over that because that was by far the most difficult exam that I have ever taken um, because it does come from a, a different language than we speak in associations. Um, project management language is is not <laughs> is not association speak. So the motivation on what on that was really, I have got to keep studying, keep practicing because I was not going to fail a test. So I was definitely internally motivated but I think that there's also a need to have that accountability partner when you think about these kind of certifications. So whether you're joining a study group which I did for the CMP, for the CAE, for the PMP there was a webinar series I did that was 35 hours long because I really needed that much. Um, education on it. So whether it's that study group or, you know, webinars or, you know, I don't whatever it works for you, flashcards, and then finding a friend or a peer who is going through the process with you or has recently been through that process, they can also help you stay motivated. I know when I did the CAE, I had ISAE study group, friends who are going through it at the same time, so we could hold each other accountable, study on the weekends, et cetera. So I think you have to surround yourself with people who are going to keep pushing you to, to make that journey. I also had very supportive family, so you can't do that without the support. If you're studying at nighttime, you know, for hours at a time, your family has to be supportive of that. And I had that, so luckily, but I think that that's it. You have to find motivation inside yourself and around you to, to get through it.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, as somebody who holds a couple as well, I think it's, um, yeah, you've got to have that internal motivation, but also that support system is really important. And I, I cannot speak to study groups enough. Um, I think that they provide such a unique opportunity to really dissect test questions because I think it's important, right? You're not being tested on what you would maybe actually do in the real world you're being tested on what's in that material, right? And that doesn't mean memorize, but that does indeed mean how do I take the material and apply it to the test scenario and and the situation that it's asking on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the hardest obstacle. Easier for me when it was early in my career and I didn't know any better. Mm. But as you get further in your career and you know better and you think, I know the book says this is what we do, (laughs) but like that would never happen. So it's like, remember, you're taking a test based on the materials that you have in front of you, not your real life experience sometimes.
1: Absolutely. So with all of these uh, that you have, do you consider yourself an expert on kind of all of these things?
0: Oh, gosh, no, not not even close. And I know probably people that I work with or have heard me speak. I, I always say that I surround myself with people who are smarter than me so that I can continue to keep growing and learning. I will never put myself in a room where I'm the smartest person there. I, I don't know that that even exists, but I think when you look at some of these certifications or credentials, I mean, it literally just proves that you have the prerequisites to have mm-hmm. them at the end that you can pass a test. So the expertise only comes in the application of the concepts that you've learned over the, pro, over the, the process of the certification. So I'm, A big fan of um, certifications that are granted based on capstone projects um, Mm -hmm. like the CMM, the Certificate in Meetings Management, and the Certified Event Designer. Both you have to complete a project that shows that you can apply what you've learned throughout that process. And to me, because of the type of learner I am, that's that's the best for me. Um, But does that make me an expert? No way. Always learning, always growing.
1: Yeah, I like that concept, right? It's like a starting point, right? It just mm-hmm. kind of showcases that you've done the basics of your, you know, your professional industry vertical or whatever that might look like, right? And that there's always more that we can be learning. Absolutely. Are you most proud of one of those though? Is there one that you were like, yeah, I have this now and it's really exciting that I have it?
0: Um, gosh, I think that at the time I was most proud well, I feel like at every moment in time when I received that certification, I was the most proud, I was most proud that I got that CMP because it was the starting point for mm-hmm. me. But when I look back and think about um which one was the hardest for me, which then in turn is probably the one that would make me proud, is that PMP, just because it was really outside of my comfort zone and took a lot of time and effort to learn that. So I don't know if I'm most proud of it, but I, I yeah, I guess I am. I guess I am. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I it, think that's, it
1: took a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, I mean, it's a great way, right? I, it's a lot of time and effort that you put into that one. And, and I think to your point, right. It, with it being not necessarily the association language, mm-hmm. I, I do think it's a stretch, right. For, for mm-hmm. some folks in our, especially in our industry, right. To go and get something like that, because it is, it's just much different um, yeah. than maybe the, the typical line of thinking that we would experience, so, some uh, additional questions that we got from some listeners kind of direct us to more to a professional development side, um, and, and kind of the the strategy maybe that you approached in these. So, the I think kind of the elephant in the room, right? Certifications are not free. You know, there they there are some expenses that go with those, both the test and um, the application materials. Uh, there may be some study materials that you have to buy. So, uh, we had one that was curious: how did you how did you get the funding for, or how did you pay for each of these um, credentials?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the recertification isn't cheap either. So there's, Correct. there's like a, a continual outpouring of money, but um, I, it, it, it has depended on the certification. When I first started looking into the CMP and even the CMM, there were loads of scholarship opportunities mm-hmm. out there through MPI And I received a scholarship for both of those. So I did not have to ask for funding from my employer at that time. Now, they did have to support the time that it took me to take that test or to be out of the office for certain study groups or things like that. But because I had gone through the effort of applying for the scholarship and receiving it, Mm -hmm. um, they were more open to that. For the CAE, that was a little harder. I had to kind of create a business case on that because I was the director of events and then the VP of events. I was not the executive director. So, you know, why would I want a CAE? And so I mentioned it earlier, but there was no CAE on the staff at that time. So I pitched it in an actual business case that I wrote up for why they should allow me to go through that process. And my employer did pay for that and support my time. For the PMP, I actually paid for that myself to start with because it was so hard. And honestly, I was nervous I was not going to pass that test. So I was certainly not going to ask my employer to cover my expenses for a test that I wasn't 100% sure I was going to pass. So once I passed that exam, I then went to my employer and said, listen, I went through this process. I have become certified. I would would love it if you'd be willing to um, reimburse me for those costs. She did. And uh, I also committed then to doing some training for the staff internally. So I think it's, even though I didn't go through a full business case in, in that um, situation, I think if you can go to your employer and say, you know, this is what I'm going to do with the certification. It's not just about me. It's what I'm going to do to help you, to help our business, to help our members. And then finally with the the certified event designer, that was paid for by my employer because I was specifically asked to go down that route. But I would reiterate that when you're in negotiations for a job when or a new job, or if it's your annual review time, you're talking about what can your employer do for you. I think building this into that financial package is key. So maybe they're not going to give you a massive raise, but, you know, Can your employer commit to helping you in that process, even if it's not paying for the whole certification? Is it paying for part of it? And then, you know, having conversely, if it's on your annual goals, then, um, by this time, I will have educated the staff on this, or I will have created a process on this, or what are the deliverables to your employer on that? So I think there's ways to get creative about it without always um, having to have your employer pay for it or you to pay for it even. So it's it's been a little of both, but definitely take the time to look at what kind of scholarship opportunities are out there for many of these certifications.
1: Yeah, that scholarship piece. I didn't even think about that. That is a, a great thing, I think, to be thinking about or what ways your professional associations can support you in that okay. venture. Um, you know you've kind of moved us in this direction in terms of maybe some starting points to have those conversations with your employer. But what are some other maybe recommendations that you would make um, for an individual if they're looking to go to their employer to get some funding for this? You mentioned you know you made a business plan in the past. You know What went into that? What might that include? Just some additional maybe tips and tricks for folks as they are going to have these conversations with an employer.
0: I mean, I think definitely going in, having done your research on what it takes to achieve that certification and what you're going to do with it. I think I see a lot out there on professional websites. You know, this will mean a pay increase for you. Well, that's certainly not something you're going to want to bring to your employer. Like, well, I think this will be great because I might get a pay increase. You know, so knowing the right things to kind of highlight to your employer when you're thinking about it, reaching out and finding others who have gone through that process. You know, I get emails often specifically about the PMP, just because it's a little more rare where people ask me, you know, what was the process you went through and how to, so find somebody who's already done it and see if they can help you present that case. And then finally, I know a lot of websites will even have like a justification toolkit that you can download and then customize to share with your employer. And if they don't have that, reaching out and asking, you know, maybe they have something internally that they would be willing to share for you. Certainly, not a big fan of starting, you know, reinventing the wheel. So if they already have something they can share with you, then using that to kind of customize and tailor, I think it's all in the research on the front end. So then you're prepared when you have those conversations with your employer, you know, with all these facts and opportunities that you can bring to the table.
1: Yeah, Emily, I really like that you're adding in kind of the the things that you can give back to the employer because it it can't just be all about you, right? Um, I think when we think about professional development, oftentimes we do, I think, view it from our own perspective, right? As the employee, you know, here's how I'm going to benefit. Here's why I want to go to that conference. Here's why I want to get that certification. But I think if we, even as a younger professional, I think if we put ourselves right in the shoes of the employer, that's an investment, right? There's something Mm -hmm. I'm investing into an employee and I want to make sure that that investment, I'm going to get a return on, right? Just like you personally would want some kind of an investment or a return. If you've invested in something on your own, you know, they want to see that too. And so I, I like Kind of what you're, you're mentioning, I think the justification piece from certification providers, I think, is a really interesting way to approach that as well. And if any of your own associations are, are providing a certificate or a certification program, I mean, I think think about some of the, the things that you're providing to your candidates, you're probably going to want some of those same things.
0: Exactly. That's a great point. And and remembering that it's not just the money that you're asking for. In some cases, it's the time because Mm -hmm. there's time involved in taking that test. There's time involved in the continuation of that um, recertification. That's going to be, you know, time spent on additional professional development. So going in with kind of your eyes wide open to your supervisor or your um, leader.
1: Absolutely. So if somebody uh, is looking to begin Their journey, and when it comes to um, you know certifications or credentials, where do you recommend they begin? Is there is there a like a a silver bullet number one? Here's the best (laughs) credential to get, um, or is there just a maybe a more of a strategic approach that they should take? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, I think that. Well, I mean, number one, if you're listening to this podcast, that's a great way to start to to think differently and think about what a certification might mean for you. Um, I think the second piece just continually researching what's important to you and why and you know that's in that part of the process is where you're going to help build that justification toolkit for if you're going to go to your supervisor and ask for this to be covered reaching out and asking those around you that have the credential that you're interested in just for their advice I love it when somebody reaches out to me on LinkedIn or, you know, can I just grab a cup of coffee with you and, you know, talk to me about the process for the CMP or the CMM? And I'm always happy to share bits about my journey that could help. But reaching out and asking somebody, I think, is huge. That also then helps you build that peer accountability network when you need it when you're actually in the process. So, I mean, researching, you know, asking for help, uh, I think those are really the keys. It's not really, our place to say what's the best certification for you at whatever point in time you are in your career. You may find, you know, I don't really think I need the CAE. I already know all that. And that's not going to help me do better. Maybe you're interested in a PMP then because processes are something that you could use some guidance on. But I think just take the time to do the research. Asking a friend, a peer, a coworker for their guidance will help get you in the right direction.
1: I like what you're talking about when it comes to just asking people, because I think you get to learn a little bit more about how they're using those. Mm-hmm. Right. And if that aligns with maybe your future career goals, uh-huh. maybe you do want to be an association executive and that's your ultimate goal, right? You want to run a large scale association. Well, uh-huh. and in that conversation, I probably would tell you that the CA is a pretty vital certification to hold. Obviously not every executive in the world uh-huh. holds one, but I would say that as you look it's becoming a pretty required piece, I think, for some of those higher level positions. And if that's what you want, then that's where you're going to have to go. But I think to hear from individual professionals how these are playing out in their day-to-day role, you know, I think you mentioned earlier, right? Depending on the day, one of those that you hold could be more important on Monday than it could be on Friday. Um, You know, and I think that's a really interesting perspective for folks to hear and kind of see where they, they can begin. So as we wrap up, Our chat today. What's just maybe a final piece of advice you'd give to association professionals when it comes to certifications and credentials?
0: I think if you're thinking about yourself personally, just do it for the right reason. If not just to check a box, you don't want to spend the time, the money, the effort on a certification just to check a box. You know, certainly do it to help yourself in your professional goals. Passing that test does not magically give you all that you need, all the tools that you need to do your job. So it's really in the application of those, that professional development that makes you who you are. So doing it for the right reason. And then if you are going to do it, finding that accountability partner or peer to keep you on track as you go through that process and mapping it out for yourself in a realistic way, not trying to cram a certification into a two-month period or think you're going to be able to study everything you can that quickly, it really is a process.
1: Absolutely. Well, Emily, thank you very much. It has been a pleasure to speak with you today about this very very important topic, Um, I think, as we, we look at people's professional careers. And you are absolutely, at least the expert on taking them. Uh, so <laughs> getting credentials, okay. we'll we'll, you, we'll mark you as an expert for that for sure.
0: <laughs> I'll take that.
1: So, if folks are maybe interested in connecting with you personally to learn more about uh, the variety of credentials you may hold or just the process, how how can they get in touch with you? How can they find you on the internet?
0: Um, you can certainly find me on LinkedIn, Emily Perkins, I, or you can send me an email at eperkins at rayburn r a y e o u r n dot com.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you again so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of You Should Hear This. If you have any questions you'd like answered or future topics you'd like us to explore, please send us an email at info at isae.org. Hey, it's Nick here. I wanted to let you know that for this episode, we tried something new and pulled some of our questions from the comments on LinkedIn. I wanted to thank Chris Beeman and Katie Allison for your questions this week. If you want your questions featured on an upcoming podcast episode, make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and look out for the post where you can submit your questions for that week's episode.